All right. I'm going to get into some details in just a moment about some of the things that happened at this conference. But understand that we're excited because, I mean, 20, 25 students from our church are getting the world turned upside down with hundreds of other college students from our region. We're part of this ministry called Every Nation. And if this is your first time here this morning, you may not even have put your faith in Christ today. And that's okay. This is a great place for you to explore who Jesus is. We're not a seeker-sensitive church, meaning that's not just the only thing that defines us, but understand we are 100% intentional about engaging and helping and talking about the Jesus that has changed our lives. And so to have people who are not believers from Kennesaw State or Life University attending a conference to hear more about Jesus, that gets me excited. I'm pumped about it. Are you guys pumped about it? You're going to hear some testimonies next week. The microphone is going to get passed around a little bit next Sunday. And one of the most amazing things that oftentimes we forget about is the power of a testimony. You just heard from Kevin. Okay, Kevin was throwing out names some of you don't necessarily know. There's a guy named Davis, right, who's at that conference helping these students right now, and former police officer who got born again in this church, who's living for Jesus, who's giving everything he's got to see other people know and live for him. I love that. That gets me excited. Kevin was engaged literally at the gym. He was the weird guy dancing around with his headphones in, Having a good time. If you know Kevin, by the way, some great things to know about Kevin is he was testifying about life groups is he always has great shoes and he always has dope socks. Always. Always. It's just I have sock and shoe envy when I'm around Kevin. I love some good shoes. Oh, it's a good time. Guys, welcome to High Point. Welcome to Every Nation uh, Campus and Every Nation Ministries. We're thrilled that you're here. I want to tell you something else that I'm honored to celebrate today, and that's Black History Month. Uh, I'm thrilled and honored to be able to celebrate with you the month of February. And I don't say that as someone who necessarily is, is by, by any means or stretch an expert in black history. I, if you, I mean... It's pretty obvious, right? But I want to acknowledge something in our church, and one of the reasons that we moved here. That's important. Important enough for me to literally stop the whole message because this is part of the message, right? So I guess I'm not actually stopping anything. Is that there is a message, the gospel, if it's, not, if it's anything, it's a message of reconciliation, it's a message of hope. It's a message of forgiveness that God has forgiven his people and sent his son. And what I love that's happening in our church is that we have something that many of you, that I myself grew up never experiencing. And that's people who don't look like you sitting next to you or around you. And I want you to know that I am honored and privileged to pastor a church. It's truly my, my humble privilege 
to pastor a group of people whose skin does not look like mine. Some of you, it, it, it does. Some of you, it doesn't. And it's my, it is my privilege, even in the month of February, and not just February, to celebrate what God is doing in your heritage and in your history. What, he is, what he's done in the history of our country and how he's brought reconciliation and forgiveness. And might I add what we're still hoping and believing for God to do. He's not finished. And so what our church gets to do, now what we have to do, is we get to be the representation of Jesus. Heaven is going to look like the multicolored bride of Christ. It's not going to look, it's not going to be one, per, you know, a group of people that look like this all, you know, hanging out together, worshiping God over here, and everybody else hanging out over here. No, 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 no. It's going to look like this. In fact, it's going to look more scattered and more sprinkled and more multicolored than this. And so it's our great privilege to get to invite everyone to be in relationship with each other, to celebrate each other's cultures. And right now, I'm calling special attention to my African-American brothers and sisters on Black History Month, especially knowing the angst that has been experienced as of late in our country. And it is my privilege to be here worshiping with you this morning. Amen? <clears throat> Let's pray. And then I'm going to cruise to about 75 miles per hour in 0.2 seconds this morning because I believe God has a message for us in a brand new series that we're starting that's going to be a laser beam to your heart and mine. Father, be with us. We thank you that you are so good and gracious to us. God, we worship you. Even though the, the band isn't playing behind me, worship hasn't ended. And Lord, we invite you here, even those who are on the fence uh, right now as to whether or not you are who you say you are, I am asking for your presence to be here in such a tangible, life-changing way today. God, be with us. Open our eyes and our ears to you today. As we read from the scriptures, in the name of Jesus, amen. So we're starting a series today called Shine. And I don't own a telescope, okay? I said shine, shine like the stars, excuse me. I butchered the own, my own title. I worked on this like all week. I just blew it. Shine like the stars. Excuse me. I don't have a telescope. Does anybody here have a telescope? Anybody into, into that? You know, a couple hands, all right. If you've ever taken the time recently to look through a telescope, uh, it really is amazing. Telescopes are a, an unbelievable thing. And this past year, we had more different things happening with eclipses, and it kind of got my wheels turning and looking more, uh, you know, up at the sky. And we had our special, you know, eclipse glasses that we ordered for the big moment in 2017. And, you know, it was a good time. But the reality is this if you haven't been outside at night and just taking a stroll down the street, and looked up at the heavens, I want to invite you to do it. And to really consider God's creation. Because when you think about stars, just stars in the sky, 
It is magnificent to behold. I grew up in St. Louis. You know, I was a suburb kid. But we had this camp that we would go to that my church. All the teens would always go to this camp called Camp Neotes. And it was out in the middle of nowhere. And you've probably been to a camp or something like that where you're out in the deep country. And when you look up at the sky, it is not the same as looking up at the sky in the middle of the city. Because it's so dark and you can just see the heavens. It is the glory of God is on display. It's unbelievable. I was doing some research on this because I wanted to just, again, expand and expound on this this idea a little bit and stretch your brain for a second to see the reality of how big God is in the creation that we serve. Did you know that nearly every star that you can see with your eyes is larger than the sun? That's straight off of NASA's website. All the stars that you're seeing are so far away that they are actually bigger than the sun that you see shining and bringing light to the earth. That blows my mind. The vast majority of the stars that you and I see are larger than the sun, which, by the way, if you look at long enough, can blind you. And with all of the space movies, I love science fiction. I'm a sci-fi nerd. I got no shame in it either. No shame. So things like Interstellar, you know, the movies that come out with space travel, I'm all about it. I love it. Gravity with Sandra Bullock, yes, sign me up. I'm into it. The idea of being in space is terrifying to me. But boy, I'm happy to watch somebody else on the big screen do it. But the truth is this. Sometimes in the midst of our, our, our movies and books, we can think that space travel and, and the idea of traveling to a star is easier or, or more accessible than we think. It took the satellite about six, no, excuse me, nine years to get to Pluto when we launched it into space. I forget the name of the satellite. Nine years. Nine years. That's crazy. To get to the planet Pluto, but to get to the nearest star traveling at the same speed as that satellite would take you and I 60,000 years. Wrap your head around that for a second. The stars that you see in the heavens that are twinkling down upon you, the closest one for you is 60,000 years away. And that light is coming, and you can see it that far away. It lights up the night. Isn't that amazing? Am I the, I might be the only one. I literally was going into the kitchen last night. It's dinner was, you know, Amy's working on dinner, and I, I'm standing right next to her. I'm like, honey, can you believe this? And she's like, honey, I, I, you know, it sounds really great. And I'm like, no, 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 you do not understand this. This is blowing my mind right now, babe. Philippians 2.15 says this. I'm going to tie this into the scriptures for you. 
This is Paul writing. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor in vain. I didn't put the last passage up there for you, sorry. Paul is describing you and I, if you've put your faith in Jesus this morning. If you have said, Jesus is is the the king of my heart, I, I put my trust in him, then there is an exchange that happens. Jesus Christ is described as the light of the world, and that light of the world takes up residence inside your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit and changes you from the inside out. So the light of the world is no longer just a light coming from the outside, it's now a light that's escaping and coming out from the inside and that you and I are to shine like the stars in the sky when you understand the magnificence of a star then you realize what God is putting inside of you and the light of Jesus Christ is inside of you shine Light up the night. Where does a light shine the brightest? Where does it make the greatest impact? Well, you know. Where it's dark. And where it's nighttime. Where it's, where it's hard to see. But if you're like me, sometimes it doesn't feel like the light of Jesus is shining real well from my life. The beautiful splendor and glamour and the glitz and the twinkle and the beauty of this star that I'm supposed to shine like, sometimes it feels, well, like there are clouds getting in front of it. A little dingy at times. Like I'm walking around and might rather than just eclipse glasses on my eyes, there's eclipse glasses on my life. And it just feels a little bit darker and a little bit hazy. I'm not shining. I'm not letting the light of the gospel out. And so what do you do? What do you do when you've got a flashlight, right? You you get a flashlight. This happens to everybody. Maybe I'm the only one. The moment you actually need a flashlight is the moment there are never batteries working in the flashlight. Ever. Ever. You finally get it, you're like, you know, it's like, we got to get some candles, we got to get a flashlight, and you click on it, and it's got nothing happening, or it's got that pitiful, pathetic, just little flicker light. You know what I mean. So what do you do? You hit it on the side. That's what you do. You tap that thing, which, by the way, never helps. Then it just goes out. And so there's a part of our own self-adjustment at times or sometimes we can live in condemnation or shame or frustration and we kind of live this life where we're we're kind of getting half-bounced around trying to get the light of the gospel out of our life and to shine and to live right and to live in relationship with Jesus. I've got great news for you. You don't have to be in shame. You don't have to get tapped on the side with your flashlight like your flashlight. 
There's hope for you and for me because there are things that all of us can look at in Scripture that if we do, if we give into, then the light of the gospel, the light of who Jesus is, will begin to go down. On your phone, you can, you can adjust the dim, right? Well, I was in staff meeting having had a new phone, and what's amazing is when other people had their phone on, I realized, what, what the heck is wrong with my phone? Because theirs was so pretty and bright, and mine looked like, you know, somebody had just ran over it with muddy tires. And I realized I'd been living with my phone for months with the dim little, you know, it had been reduced all the way down. And I'm wondering why I'm always doing this. Couldn't see very well. I thought, well, I guess that's just the new phone. No, it isn't. No, it wasn't. There's a different way. There's a better way. You guys ready? Here we go. What does Paul say in Philippians 2.15? You can put it back on the screen. He says, do everything without... It's not up there yet. Keep going. Sorry, back it up one more time. Back it up again. Is it not on there? Okay. Do everything without grumbling or complaining. Or arguing, scriptures say, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. Uh, let's back that up again. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, then you will shine like the stars. Paul is writing to the church in Philippians, or excuse me, Philippi. The Philippians were what you call the people who lived there. And Paul is writing, Paul, the apostle, is writing this from a Roman prison in about A.D. 61, 62. If you've ever been to Rome and you've ever stood in one of these prisons, they're not nice. It's not an American, not that somehow jail or prison in the United States is nice, but understand it's nice if you see what a prison cell looked like in Rome. It basically was like a little cave that you were chained to the wall in. You had little stairs that wrapped down into this little dungeon where other people would be sitting on the floor right next to you chained to a wall. And you would be given, you know, different freedoms and different rights, things like, oh, you know, I'm going to pen a letter. And they could, people could send you gifts and bring you food, but it didn't change the fact that your living conditions were terrible. This is where Paul is, and this is where Paul is writing this letter from. And he is saying, hey, guys, don't complain, don't grumble, don't argue, because if you do, you will not shine like the stars in the sky that God has made you like. Now, that's convicting. Do everything without grumbling. Do everything without arguing. Without complaining. Let's do this.
because I want to give you some other examples of this in the Bible. There's, there's a story about grumbling and complaining. It's probably the most famous in the, all of Scripture. It's in the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 14. If you're familiar with the biblical history or the story of it all, we have the Israelites who have been set free from Egypt. Meaning they have been captive for hundreds of years, crying out for freedom. They finally receive freedom, and Moses is leading them to the promised land. God has delivered them time and time again, over and over again. And I mean, right in front of them. Miracles that would blow your mind. The, the parting of the Red Sea. Holy smokes. And yet, here we find ourselves in Numbers chapter 14. The Israelites are on the edge of Canaan, the promised land that God has planned for them to step into. And this is what happens. The Lord says to Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron are helping lead the Israelites. He says, how long will this wicked community grumble against me. I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, they were afraid, in case you're wondering, I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. Now, aren't you glad you came to church today? Just feeling good, excited. I mean, I feel encouraged, right? Right. Yeah, you read that and you're like, wah, wah, I guess I should stop complaining. I don't want to die out in the wilderness and my children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's not what we're going, getting at today. I'm thankful that Jesus took my sin on the cross. He took my proclivity to complain and whine, and be negative, and sin against the Lord with the words out of my mouth. He did that for you too. He rose again victorious on the third day. And because of that, and because I put my faith in what Jesus did that I couldn't do, the Holy Spirit comes alive in my life, the light of the gospel, but I can still Get in the way of letting that light shine. And one of the ways I can do that is by grumbling, murmuring, the Bible says, complaining and arguing. Now, am I worried somehow about the judgment of God on my life in the same context here as the book of Numbers? No, I'm not. But understand that this doesn't bring delight to the Father who sent his son to die for me. Nor is it an example 
to the rest of the world as to what it looks like to live and be changed by Jesus. It's amazing. Let's just go down the list here. A little context for you for, for Numbers. Numbers 14. See, the Israelites, you know, they got through the Red Sea. They had escaped Egypt. They're free. And they began complaining. What did they complain about? They complained about water. Well, they didn't have enough. Well, you should have just left us to die. Right, 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 right. Then they complained about a lack of food. We're hungry. If you're dieting right now, if you're still hanging on, you know this pain. Nothing in the pantry anymore. You're right. It's because you're dieting. Not only did they complain about a lack of food, then they started complaining about the type of food that God provided. See, God heard their complaint, and he's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to move on their behalf, and he does this. And not only are they complaining about the lack of food, now they're complaining about what God actually provided. They're complaining against their leaders. They're complaining about the leaders that God gave them. They're complaining about the people living in the promised land, the Canaanites. They're complaining about literally every single thing, and then they begin to grumble against God. Meanwhile, God has provided food. He's provided water. He's provided safety. He's shown up in pillars of fire. The cloud of his presence would meet with Moses and give them direction. He provided deliverance, and he did it over and over and over and over again. Yet what was the thing that they kept getting drawn back to over and over and over again was their lack, was the pain, was the difficulty. Rather than having their eyes fixed and focused on the miracle of God's deliverance, they were focused on the misery of the wilderness. And I'll say this to you, Christians, church, and I'm putting myself in this boat. Most people I know celebrate their wilderness far more than they celebrate their deliverance. Meaning people just love to talk about what's going wrong. Don't we? Even my, one of my children, I'll just put it that way. If I ask him how he's doing, okay. There's, there's always an Eeyore moment, right? I think I lost my tail again. Okay. Let me help bring this up. But why do we do that? What is it that's drawn to celebrate not the deliverance, not the miracle, but celebrate the wilderness and celebrate the misery? It's why bad news sells. You'll notice rarely do you turn on the news and say, wow, honey, I'm really encouraged. Aren't you? No, you're not. You think to yourself, our world is terrible, but I can't stop watching. Right? We're drawn to things that, are the, 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 that celebrate the wilderness moments, the misery moments, rather than seeing with our eyes what's good, what's noble, what's pure, what's righteous, what's amazing. And I want you to hear this this morning. There are way more things going right than things going wrong. Because we serve a God of deliverance. Not a God who has just left you out in the wilderness. Jesus took that for you. 
And so this morning, when, when Paul reminds us and instructs us, hey, don't do this, the light that God has put inside of you that will shine in a dark place will be extinguished if out of your mouth is just grumbling and complaining all the time. See, we're reading, you're reading the word complain. It's been on the screen, and if you've got your phone pulled up or a Bible, most of you probably have a translation that says complain. The actual word is, that's being used is murmur. It's a funny word, isn't it? Murmur. Murmur. Stop murmuring. I don't know why it makes me laugh. You know what's interesting about the word murmur? Is... The word murmur is rooted in another word that's the sound that a snake charmer uses to hypnotize the snake. And sometimes we read numbers and we think, golly, God is being tough on these people. And yet he's shown up time and time and time again. And what is it that they continue to do? They grumble, they mutter, and they murmur. And the Israelites were supposed to step into, the, you know, they're at the border of Canaan, the land that they're getting ready to step into. But before they do it, they send spies to check out the land. Smart, wise. And the spies come back, even though God had already said, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be miraculous. It's going to be a deliverance. I've shown up here, 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 and here. Will you trust me? Here. But they come back from Canaan, and all of the spies but two are shaken in their boots. But it's not that they're just afraid because sometimes you can, you can trust God in the midst of, of being a bit afraid at the same time. No, because what, what, what happens here is their mouths begin to move and they begin to complain and they begin to grumble against God and they begin to murmur. The same sound that can hypnotize a snake charmer. And what does the snake do? The snake begins to fall in line and, and do and move along with the motions of the charmer himself. And when you have someone that's murmuring, you know what's amazing is the people around them begin to move and talk and sound just like the person that's complaining and arguing and murmuring. And God is not thrilled with division. He doesn't like it. And complaining and arguing and murmuring has this way of spreading its way through the camp, does it not? It's amazing, isn't it? When, when you have something to complain about, you will instantly have friends. Instantly. Because people love to get around and talk about things that are making them upset. Things that aren't going well. Things that are painful or difficult. Hear me, church in love. I can do this. I have to, I have to work very hard at having the right mind and the right words because 
I have a proclivity before I see what's right, guess what I do? I tend to see what's wrong first. Some of you are sitting here and you're shaking your head. You're like, yeah, me too. I do that. Guess what? Anybody who has a measure of critical thinking, if you've started a business or if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have a disposition oftentimes that sees things that need fixing or things that need upgrading, things that need a boost or a lift. But we have to be the kind of people who celebrate far more things that need an upgrade or need, need to be better or need to be fixed or need an improvement. We've got to be celebrating the very things that are going right and the things that are going amazing and the way that God is moving and the lives that are being changed and the rain that came. And I realize it washed out your yard, but wasn't it good for the grass? And God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can we celebrate the things that are going right? See, oftentimes we confuse a critical mind with a, with a critical heart, or we confuse a critical heart with a critical mind. Critical thinking is not the same as critical judging. It's okay for you to, to look around the church and see something that needs to be improved. That's good feedback, but critical judging now crosses over the line. And you've had a critical mind now, you're walking with a critical heart. It's not the same. One seeks to build up and the other just ends up tearing down. It's a big difference. Amy will tell you, my wife, she helps me at times with this. <laughs> because I can see things that need improvement and if I'm not careful... I can get fixated on the things that I've got, that's got to get better. Rather than celebrating the amazing things that are going on. I've got two stories to share with you. My phone's blowing up, literally, as if you're wondering where the dinging is coming from, it's my phone. Why? Because there are testimonies coming in from the conference in Jacksonville. And I'm going to share one with you in just a moment. But before we do, when I, when I was in Orlando, Florida, you know, we're, we're, life groups are launching next week. And before uh, we planted the church here, we helped plant a church in Orlando, part of Every Nation, the, the, the ministry that we're a part of. And we were launching our life group, and we had tried launching a life group, and it was just an utter failure. Nobody came. We literally had appetizers at the house. Waiting for somebody to knock on the door. We'd invited people. Nobody came. Literally the entire life group season. And then finally we had relationships with, with people in our community. Just took a little time. And all of a sudden people started coming to our life group where they signed up and they wanted to be there. So our first life group at our house. Our house is packed. We're so pumped. People are talking about God. They're asking questions. They're opening their Bible. There's people there who aren't believers. This is the stuff I live for. And it's getting on into the hours of the night. I live in, a, in an apartment complex. or It's a condo complex in Florida. About 9.30, all of a sudden I hear this sound. Beep, 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 beep. And I thought, what is that? Push aside the blinds. 
And all the people's cars that were in my life group were getting towed. Okay? If you know me, righteous anger. The strength of Samson erupted in my life. And I went out and I was ready to destroy. I was ready to pick up this tow truck and throw it into the ocean. Okay? I was furious. Now, let's be for real. You're having a Bible study? It's okay to have moments where you're venting. I'm not talking about you stub your toe and you're mad. You got a Bible study and people's cars are getting towed? It's okay to be angry about that. But there's a difference between being angry, a righteous anger, and letting that anger seep into your heart. Life group was over and, you know, everybody were paying off the tow truck driver, literally, to leave our cars there, going through cash. I've got guys here who's, one of the guys there is barely a believer. I don't even know if he was. His name's Kyle and he's become one of my dearest friends in life. And I go back into my condo and we're sitting there and everybody finally leaves, but I can't let it go. And I'm beginning to grumble and I'm beginning to complain. I mean, after all, I'm a pastor for God's sake. Come on, God, can't you throw somebody a bone here? What's the big deal? Can I get a break here, God? People are trying to know more about you. We're trying to do the right thing and their cars are getting towed. Are you kidding me? Life groups are dumb. And see, you, you see the progression. It, it moves in your heart to a place of pronouncing judgment. Does it not? Like a snake charmer. And I felt the Holy Spirit in that moment say, be careful. So I went into my bedroom and began to pray. Because I was ready to condemn this tow driver basically to hell. <laughs> Not really, but man, I was just, I, I, this guy was Satan dressed up in a tow truck uniform to me. You know what I felt God saying? I felt him saying, you need to pray for him right now. What's that guy doing? Is he not somebody that I made? Is he not trying to put bread on his table? What's the condition of his life? Do you know? Oh, ye who are so powerful, ye who know so much, what's the situation with him? How long did it take him to get that job? What's it look like for him? Can you stand here and can you thank God for this driver and begin to praise him, praise God for the situation at hand, the opportunity to grow, the opportunity to exercise self-control, the opportunity to become more like Jesus. Is it not a moment like this where you respond the right way without complaining or grumbling that people look at you and they say, what is different about you? He is shining in a very dark place. Who would respond in such a way? Only someone who has been changed by the Holy Spirit, who's been made new. Is this not the kind of people that God has invited us to be? 
We had all these students. We had 74 college students at our home for Thanksgiving. It was awesome. Jared and Katie, our campus directors here, did an amazing job. And I want you to know that of any area in our church, the two areas that are growing the fastest are youth and college, which if you ever want to know what good signs of church growth are, not that we don't want families, we do. But when young people are responding and growing, that is, that's an amazing thing. But I'm also going to tell you this. I have the challenge at times of seeing the budget. And I see growth happening here faster than I see things happening here. And this is what I did. I began to see what's not happening versus what is happening. You can hear me growing. People are giving. People are generous. But I, 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 I'm sitting here and beginning to feel the, the water rising of how do we keep providing and seeing this grow? And there was, some, there was the beginning of some grumbling coming out of, of me this past week. And I, I felt God beginning to put his finger on it. And you know, we've got these students who went to this conference. And again, rather than focusing on that, I, I'm beginning to see, God, gosh, can we ever have enough? Can we ever have this? Can I ever have that? Hey, Andy. Remember when I provided here, 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 and here? Do you remember that? Shut it. Do you remember? Yes. I do, God. I do remember. I'm sorry. I'm not going to grumble. God, I trust you. I refuse to focus on the wilderness, right, even though that might be a stretch, and I'm thankful and I'm anchored to your deliverance. You're a God that provides. And I want you to know, here's the text message that I got this morning. And I'm going to try to find it. This was at 6.30. We've got three guys getting baptized in the ocean this morning. text back, come on. Lots of exclamation points. Who is it? Shavam, Zach, and Ethan. Shavam is getting baptized? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Because Shavam is a student that we've been building with for about two years who is Hindu. And the first time he came, I preached the message on Moses, and he had never even heard of the guy's name. <laughs> Didn't know a thing. And here we see the fruit, the things that are going right. Yes, 
Do we need different things in our lives? Is it okay to go to God and to ask him to provide or move? Or God, we need you here. I need you. Of course it is. We have needs in our life. All of us do. Our church does. And we need to ask the God who provides to provide in those moments. And to trust him until he does. But to set our eyes and to be anchored on the things that we see God doing. Celebrating his deliverance. A young man who was not a believer after two years of relationship choosing to put his faith in Jesus, walks out in the ocean and is baptized. This is what we do. This is why we planted this church. This is who God has called us to be. Stars that are shining bright in a dark place. This is what we're about. I've gone long today. (laughs) I knew I was land the plane here because all of us know what it's like we grumble about our marriages we grumble about our spouse maybe you're grumbling about money most people that I talk to the first thing that the grumbling starts with is money and bills but then you grumble about not getting invited then you grumble about the fact that you were invited you grumble about the lack of likes on Facebook, you, you grumble about the lack of shares, you grumble about, you know, the picture that you saw, you, you grumble about the fact that you see this picture this way, but you weren't in the picture, you know, what, what's the big deal here? And we grumble about chairs, and we grumble about life, and we grumble about our server, and our food, and air conditioning, and heat, and rain, and cars, and life. God has called us to a better way to shine like the stars. What does this writer Paul say? From prison, he says to rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus and finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure and lovely and admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy Think about such things. Think about those things. Celebrate God for those things. Let your eyes be lifted to the heavens and thank God that you had another breath in your lungs today. Thank God that your car got you to where your car needed to get you to. Thank God that you had a piece of bread and some food in your mouth. Thank God you were able to pay for your phone bill. Thank God that you even have a phone to begin with. Thank God that you have a church, that you have leadership, that you have a pastor, that you have a friend, that you have a chair to sit in. Thank God for the community that you're in. Thank God for your husband, for your wife, for your child. That might be driving you insane, but start by praising God for the gift of being a mom or a dad. 
You want to fight the drift in your life of complaining and grumbling. It begins by focusing on what is good and what is right and telling God out of your mouth what's good. Stand to your feet. This morning as we leave, I want to encourage you to shine like the stars. There will be a propensity. There's going to be something that happens in the next few minutes probably that will invite, there will be a beautiful invitation for you to be frustrated, for you to want to complain, and for you to grumble. Tom Brady. There's a great invitation today. (laughs) Joking aside, you mark my words. Some of you before your feet walk through your doorway today, you will have opportunity to complain. I know I will. The door is always knocking. But what do we do? We lift our eyes. We thank God for Jesus, for the provision, for the deliverance, for the good things, and we shine. Father, thank you. Lord, this morning, even right now, we choose to fix our eyes on you. Our gaze is on the beauty and son, the, of your son, Jesus, the marvelous picture of who he is and what he has done for us. And God, we thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we do not have to give in to a life that is just bound up in negativity and complaints and grumbling and murmuring and arguing. God, we can live pure and blameless. God, help us to take a deep breath today. God, and out of our lips to thank you for the breath in our lungs, for the life that you've given us. Help us to see what's good, what's right, and what's of you. God, help us to shine.